Amen. Good to see all of you here tonight on a not so beautiful night, weather and all, but I'm glad that you're here, thankful for the Lord and His goodness. Next week is a special week of prayer, and I am calling this church to join me in this endeavor. Monday night will be men's prayer, Tuesday night will be ladies' prayer, Wednesday night will be church prayer, Thursday night is going to be leadership prayer, praise team prayer, Friday night youth prayer, Saturday night just prayer prayer. And if we're not prayed up by then, I'm going to resign. I believe God's going to help us. We're also going to put with that a time of fasting. And so I don't know how long you can go without a meal, but go however long you can. And let's see what God will do. God honors the sacrifice of his people. And fasting does not do a lot for God, but it does a lot for us. It puts us in the frame of mind and the spirit in which we need to be in order to receive the things of God. Well, while you're standing, open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 11. I have, I'll be honest with you, every time I come to this subject, I feel so totally intimidated. And I just shy away from it. And I thought, you know what, Lord, if you don't help me, We're not going to get through this, but I believe you're going to help me tonight. Luke chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1, and it's going to be a lengthy portion of Scripture, so bear with me if you need to be seated. If you're tired, you you can be seated in a moment. But let's stand for the Word of God. Luke chapter 11, it begins like this, And it came to pass... That as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, for the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity... He will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. 
Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good things or good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost, or Matthew says, give good things to them that ask Him. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about prayer. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This chapter of Luke is perhaps one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture in all of the Bible when it comes to prayer. The things that are said about prayer here are things that challenge us and they encourage us to pray. We have before us nothing less than the charter of prayer and even the priority of prayer in all of our lives. And in our text, I find great encouragement to pray from the words that Jesus uses to reveal his will, words like Father, that word encourages me. I, I love the song that we sang earlier, I am a friend of God. I quickly looked it up in my reference Bible and it reminded me of the dearness and the fondness that God has toward you and I. It was said of Abraham that he, he was a friend of God. And if we are of the seed of Abraham, then certainly that reference could be made toward us as well. The word like good gifts. There's nothing discouraging about that. Everybody wants a good thing. His intent toward us is nothing less than the very best. It is clear that God wants to meet the need of His children. And it is interesting that He would use reference in the end to the earthly fathers. And when He said, you being evil, He was not speaking in reference to their sinfulness, but in the fact of their human limitations. But He said, even in your limited human capacity." If your children ask you something that is needful, then certainly you are going to do everything you can in your power to meet the need of your kids. And so it is with our Father. He is very much in tune with the needs of our life. But effective prayer is the provision for every need in our life. And I believe that effective prayer is the solution to every problem of our life. 
And if we do not pray, then we only hurt ourselves and we hinder what God could do and would do in our life. I believe that probably one of the first true signs of the spiritual life is that desire to pray. It is also the mainstream of life and it is the maintaining of my spiritual life. Man can as well live physically without breathing as he can live spiritually without praying. I read that there is a class of mammals in the sea called the crustaceans. They are the whales and the dolphins and the porpoises. They are neither fish nor seafowl, and they inhabit the deep of the sea. It is their home. They never leave it. It is where they live. Yet, though swimming beneath the waves and sounding the darkest deeps of the sea, they had sooner or later rise to the surface to breathe the air, because without that, these monarchs of the deep could not live and exist in the elements in which they reside and move on a daily basis. They must rise to the surface to breathe and then deep dive again. And something like that is imposed on you and I, a necessity of the Spirit, that we as those mammals rise to the surface to get to grasp air and breathe. We as individuals have got to rise up in prayer and breathe that celestial atmosphere that God dwells in. For it is in rising in prayer that we find the grace and the strength to go on and live in the environment that is against us. Amen. The environment of prayer is one that we all need to live in. And if you prevent these animals or mammals from rising to the surface, they will die for want of breath. Preeminent in all of our lives is the same principle. If man does not rise to God in prayer, he will die. You cannot live or sustain your spiritual life without prayer. Everybody say, I must pray. Rachel cried out, God, give me children or else I die. Let me breathe, says the man gasping for breath or else I die. And the Christian should say, let me pray or else I die. The greatest need of the church today is to pray. And I will confess to you tonight, if there is any area in which I feel like I have failed, I feel like I have failed in getting this church to pray effectively and fervently and pray persistently and consistently. You say, Brother Hughes, you shouldn't take that responsibility. Well, the buck stops here. And it is the requirement of all of us that we learn the necessity of daily prayer. Prayer is one of the key elements to the victorious life. And it is not an experiment, but it is our life. If we do not pray, we will die. Amen. You know, it's interesting to me as a pastor that 
The people that often need the most help are the ones that I have the hardest time getting to pray. My pastor used to tell me when I came to him with a problem, have you prayed about it? Because if you hadn't prayed about it, he wasn't going to waste his time talking to you about it. Because prayer not only helps create the atmosphere where the right answer can be received, many times prayer resolves your problem so you don't have to come back and ask for help. God takes care of the issue in your life because you're one of his kids. And so he would ask, have you prayed about it? And if you didn't want to lie to him, you had to look him in the eye and tell him the truth. Well, not really. And he said, okay, go pray about it. And when you get through praying about it, then come and talk to me. And most of the time, I didn't ever have to come back and talk to him. Because somehow in prayer, God had a way of getting into my life and help ministering to the needs that are there in my life. So the question tonight is, can we afford to not pray? Many years ago, and I tried to find it, I, I would love to get it one more time. Sister Ima Jean Kilgore and uh, our sister um, Mangan, Vesta Mangan, spoke at our general conference. And her message was, why don't we pray? And if you've never heard Sister Mangan preach or speak, there's no one that is more profound and powerful in her delivery and she just kept driving that point home. She would make a few comments and then she would say, why don't we pray? And by the time she got to the end of her message, there wasn't a seat that was filled in the auditorium. People were on their knees and they were on their faces praying because they began to feel the urgency of that hour. We came home from General Conference that year. We were still in the storefront, and I decided I was going to show that video. And so we showed it on a Wednesday night, and before it was even over, I didn't even have to give an appeal. Every person in the auditorium, almost in unison, rose from their pew and fell on their faces, and we had a prayer meeting like we had not had a prayer meeting in that building before. I'm asking tonight, church, why don't we pray? You say, Brother Hughes, that's accusatory. No, that's a question. Why don't we pray? Now, a lot of things that we call prayer, when we really get down to it, are not really prayer, but just our musings. Are our gripes. Prayer is communication. It's God speaking to us as well as us speaking to God. But in this passage of Scripture, there are three things that I want to highlight very quickly and give you that will help encourage you. And it begins when the disciples ask Him after they had seen Him come from a time of prayer. And this was something they had seen often in His, in his life and ministry he had come from that place of prayer. They asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray as John's disciples prayed? They didn't ask him to show us how to do miracles. They didn't ask him to show us how to raise the dead. They didn't ask him to show us how to open blind eyes. They said, Lord, if you're going to teach us anything, teach us how 
to pray. Because they realized evidently that the source of the miraculous was that realm of prayer. It was that time when you commune with God that the doors of heaven are open and transactions take place that are eternal and consequential for all of us. And so he begins by giving them a pattern for prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not something to merely repeat. It is a pattern that God gave us that we can model our prayers after. To merely repeat the words is good, but it's not good enough. It's learning the message of the prayer and I don't want to take a lot of time on that because I did that a few months back. But I do want you to realize tonight that the first part of the Lord's Prayer or the first part of the model prayer has to do with God's interest. When you look at the prayer, it talks about His interest, His relationship to us, our Father, which art in heaven. And then it talks about his name and the hallowing or the reverencing of that name. It talks about his kingdom and his will being done. And then the prayer moves into the realm of human need. And it talks about our needs and our relationships that need to be healed and our life that needs direction and leadership. And the point is that when you make God's interest first in your life, then your interests are going to be first in God's mind. And if you can ever get your prayer life working in that order, that when you come to prayer, your first interest is Him, glorifying Him, praising him, exalting him. I promise you and I assure you that if you will make his interest the priority of your life, then he will make your interest the priority of his mission. He will forgive. He will heal. He will restore. He will provide. He will give direction. He will give leadership. If you make his interest the priority of your prayer. Amen. How many of us are guilty when we come to prayer immediately? Well, let me go back. The the only time some people pray is when they have a problem. And that's what they bring to God is their problem. And they get frustrated because they don't understand why God's not answering. I'm going to tell you why. Because our prayer is self-centered. If we will start our prayer with God's priority first and then as we pray, go into the needs of our life, God will take care of those needs if we will take care of His interest. Everybody say God first. God first. Let that be the priority. And when you put His interest first, He will then take care of your interest and your needs. And then... The Lord goes into this story about a man who has a visitor at a strange and odd hour at midnight. And he doesn't have anything to provide. And so not wanting to uh, embarrass the friend who's come or even embarrass himself, uh, 
He goes to his friend, somebody that he knows will help him. And he knocks on his door and he makes appeal for him to respond. And the Bible says that he would not open the door because the way the household was situated in that hour, the family lived or slept together in a large room. And many times they would have to move the children or wake them up to open that door and let someone in. And so to do what this man was requesting was to put his family uh, at, at, at unease and to put them in, a, in a, a, an undesirable situation. And so he said, no, I'm not going to answer. But something happened. This man just would not go away. The Bible says that he continued with importunity. That's an interesting word, importunity. He continued with shamelessness. He was not ashamed of what he was petitioning for. And so in this story, the Lord gives a picture of the attitude that prayer should be carried on in. And that is an attitude of shamelessness. We should never be afraid to ask him anything we should never be ashamed to bring our need we should never let the fact that we prayed that prayer before stop us from praying it again but it was this man's shamelessness everybody say that shamelessness it was his his unwillingness to leave and he was not embarrassed in the least that he kept knocking on that door You know, that gets on some people's nerves. You just keep knocking and keep knocking. But it didn't bother him that it got on somebody's nerves. He had a need. And you know, when you've got a need, that that supersedes the nerves. (laughs) When you've got a need, that supersedes whatever irritation it might have in life. When there's a need, and it was a genuine and sincere need, he was not ashamed to keep knocking. And the Lord said, there's something else that you need to learn about prayer, and that is the attitude of prayer. You should never be ashamed to ask. You should never be hesitant to ask. You should never be afraid to ask. You should do what Paul in Hebrews said, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may find help in your time of trouble. Prayer is a powerful tool, but that importunity and that shamelessness is what makes it powerful sometimes. Say, Brother Hughes, it seemed to me that this story is is it at is contrary to God's uh, mercy and His law. Prayer, it, it, it shouldn't be that way. We we shouldn't have to be begging God for things. Well, please don't misunderstand the story. The prayer and the story have nothing to do with that at all. It doesn't have anything to do 
with, with, with just a, a person trying to compel God to do something that he doesn't want to do. It's not overcoming God's reluctance to help us. Or is it giving God enough noise that we weary him until God finally gets up and does something because we're getting on his last nerve? That's, that's not what prayer is. The story is not a comparison but a contrast. The Lord said, if you being evil would do all of these things to help uh, your children, and, and, if, and this story, the, you being evil would, would rise up and do what this man did, then how much more does your Father want to give you the good things that you need? So it's not a comparison. It's, it's just a contrast. You never should be ashamed to come to him. No matter how big or small your need is, you should never be ashamed to ask him. I don't care what it is, whatever the problem is, your concerns are God's concerns. Your interests are God's interests when you make his interest your first interest. Amen. I think most of you have heard me tell it, but... Several years ago, I don't even know how long ago it's been now, I had a growth that started here on the side of my face, and it looked like a skin cancer. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and irritating me. When I combed my hair, I'd catch it sometimes, and it would bleed. And after a while, it just got it got on my nerves. And one day here in, in the church, we were, I was just praying by myself, and I was going around, and my hand, by habit, had gone up there and was rubbing that irritation. And in a moment of time, it seemed like the Lord spoke to me and said, Your interest or my interest. And so while that hand was on that growth, I said, Lord, if, if my interests are your interest, I don't know what this is. It may not be anything but an ugly birthmark, but it's irritating me. And God, if you could take care of it. I certainly would appreciate it. Went on, forgot all about it. Got up the next morning to comb my hair. And when my hair, my comb came through that part of my hair, there was no catch. And when I looked real close, that little thing had fallen off in the night somewhere. You see, your your concerns are... God's concerns. And it doesn't matter. It may be some small insignificant thing, but the point of prayer is that you should never be ashamed to bring your need to Him and say, God, this is a need in my family or this is a need in my life because your needs are His concern. Amen. Somebody ought to lift your hands and thank Him for that right now. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you care for my soul. Amen. So he talks about the attitude of prayer. It must be shamelessness. It must be importunity. Don't ever turn away from him because you are afraid. And then he closes this, this preaching or this message on prayer by showing them that there is also an atmosphere that prayer must be conducted in. And that, that prayer must be carried on in. 
And he draws a parallel between what God will do and what we must do. In the Greek text, there are two kinds of imperatives or commands. One of them is the aortist imperative or command, which issues one definite command, like shut the door. And that's what you do. But there is another command that is called present imperative. And it is a command that is not to be done once, but repeatedly, over and over and over again. It means that a man is to do something and keep on doing it. Do it and keep on doing it, over and over and over. And so the point is... When you come to prayer, you not only have to have the right attitude in prayer, but you need to bring the right atmosphere, and that is an atmosphere of expectation. Ask, he said, and you shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. But that's really not how it says. It says, ask, and keep on asking. And you shall receive. Seek and keep on seeking. There is that atmosphere of expectancy. That if I pray today and I don't get it. I'm going to come back in the morning and I'm going to pray again. Because there's something in my heart that tells me. God is a good God and he loves his children. And he loves to bless his children. And somehow... In some way, God's going to find a way to answer my prayer. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. It is an atmosphere of expectation where you come looking for something. You come expecting it to happen. The question that he goes on to ask them is that if you are a father... And your child ask of you, if, if your child ask of you a piece of bread, would you give your child a stone? Which according to Hebrew culture probably looked very similar in size and color and shape as the bread that they baked that day. Would you as a father, if your child came and asked bread, would you give him a stone? Would you frustrate his expectation by giving him something that he could not eat? Or if your, if your son or your daughter came asking a fish, would you give them a serpent or, as one translator says, an eel, which was prevalent in the Sea of Galilee? If he asked for a fish, will you give him something that was forbidden by the law of God? Or if your son asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? And there was a scorpion in that day that was very light colored that when it curled its tail, it looked very similar to a fried egg. And so the question is, if you being evil... And your child, are you being limited? Are you being earthly? Are you being human? Would do your utmost to give your children the desire of their heart. How much more 
Would I, as your heavenly Father, want to give you the things that you ask? Would God mock my need? That's what bread represents. Would he mock my need? When I come to him with my need, I need bread. I, that was the staple of life. I, 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 these are the necessities. These, these are not the, 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 the pleasures of life. This is what it takes for me to survive. If I ask him for my need, will he give me a stone instead of providing for my need? Or if, as a father, would you mock your son's hunger? This goes to another level. This is not a need. This is something of another nature. It's a hunger. A fish was a meal. It was a provision. It was an added blessing. But if your son were to ask for an added blessing, would you give him something that would harm him or be contrary to my law? Or if... If he asked for an egg, and in my mind an egg was a desire. I don't know. James probably could tell you. But I don't know how prevalent eggs were in that day. Certainly they weren't as prevalent as our marketplace where you go back to the the, 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 the area of Kroger, open up the freezer, and there's all you, you can choose any number of them. You can take however many you want to. I have a feeling that in that day eggs were not, a, a common item in every family. They were a desire. They were an added blessing. They were a little bonus. They were something extra. You know, it's one thing for you to ask God for your necessities and your needs or to ask God for your hungers, but can you really ask God to take care of your desires? And he said, if, if you would not give your child a scorpion when they ask for an egg. How much more am I concerned about the desires of your heart? The things that you long to see for your family, for your own personal life, those things matter to God. The Bible said in the book of Psalm, Delight thyself in the Lord, and He will give thee the what? No, what? He will give you the what? Not the necessities, not the hungers, but the desires of the heart. That's an interesting statement because in the Hebrew, the word delight is a word that comes from the field of pottery. And it is in reference to a clay being moldable or shaped are shapeable in the hands of a potter. So basically what the Lord is saying is if you will be like clay in my hands and you will let me shape you and mold you to make you what you're best made to be, you'll let me choose that, then I will give you the desires of your heart. What an awesome God. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray more? Why is it so hard to get people to pray? Why is it so hard to get our flesh to pray? When there are so many benefits and there are so many blessings. And we have a Father, we have a God who desires to do so much for us. If we could just learn how to access the riches of God 
and access them through the medium of prayer, what a difference it would make in all of our lives. God will always answer our prayers, but He will answer them in His way. And He will answer them with wisdom and love, and He will give us the things that we need. And God will never give us the things that will hurt us. That's why some things you pray for, God doesn't answer you. He doesn't give them to you. Because He would not give a serpent to a child who asks for bread or an egg or whatever else, a fish. He would not give something that would hurt them. And so many times when we pray, God withholds those things because they would not help us. God's not being mean. He's just being a good father. And he knows a lot more and he sees a lot farther than we do. Why don't we pray? Three levels of prayer that we can find ourselves praying in. One of them is asking. That is presenting a petition. That's the simplest form of prayer. That's just opening your mouth and using your language. When the Scripture says ask, it doesn't say you have to remember some pre-written prayer or you have to pray somebody else's words. It means you use your own words. And they can be broken. They can be uh, the poorest. You can butcher the English language. But as long as they are your words, ask. Bring your words, the prophet of old said, and come before him. And you will find that when you bring your words and come before him, that God will come before you. So ask. And then we move to the next level of prayer, and that's seeking. There's something more involved in this level of prayer. It's pressing the petition home. It's a higher level of praying. There's not very many people that really go to this level. There's a lot of people that step on to the first level of prayer. There are many people who ask, but not very many that go to the next level that seek in prayer. The highest level of prayer is to seek, not just asking, but bringing a level of intensity to our prayer because the promise is that we will find. And then he takes us even to another level of prayer, and that is knocking. Knocking implies persistence to our petition. It's perhaps the greatest level of prayer that we can get to when we just will not be denied and we will not go away and we will not give up and we just keep coming back. It is that importunity. It is that shamelessness. It is that perseverance that brings the miraculous into our life. I love what one writer said. He said, When thou standest before his gate, knock loudly and knock boldly, not as a beggar knocks, but as one who belongs in the house, not as a vagabond who is afraid of the police, but as a friend and an intimate acquaintance, not as one who is apprehensive of being troublesome or of coming out of an improper time, but of a guest who may rest assured of a hearty welcome because he is loved. Why don't we pray? Amen. Let's stand together.
The prayers that we need to pray most are the simplest prayers. It's God's interest and then ours. It's bringing the right attitude. It's coming in the right atmosphere. That expectancy. God's going to move. God's going to touch. God's going to open doors. I don't know how, but God's going to do it. And it's living in that atmosphere of expectancy. It's knocking and keeping on knocking. What are you doing that for? Because I'm expecting an answer. Is God hard hearing? No, God's not hard hearing. That's not even the point. The point is that prayer many times requires a step further. Not just asking, but seeking, persisting. Persevering, just staying there, bold, confidently asking God, I need a miracle. Our church needs a mighty revival. We need to see many souls filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to see the waters of baptism troubled. We need to see sinners repenting. We need to see families restored. We need to see miracles in our midst and coming back again and again it's sometimes I'm afraid that we are so embarrassed because we've asked it before we're hesitant to ask it again God said if you'll just keep asking you'll receive and if you'll keep seeking you'll find and if you'll keep knocking the door shall be open pray that's what we all need to do. More, more fervently, more consistently, more faithfully pray. Would you just bow your head right now and let's, let's talk to the Lord and make a commitment to Him tonight that over the next few days and weeks, we're going to find our prayer, prayer closet again. We're going to come to that season of prayer again. We're going to walk in prayer. We're going to live in prayer. We're going to pray without ceasing. We're going to come without shame. We're going to come boldly. We're going to come persistently. We're going to come consistently. Lord, we're coming tonight to you to tell you of our failings and our faults and our shortcomings and how we need you, God, to resurrect in all of us that spirit of prayer. Teach us to pray. Oh, God, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, oh, God. As difficult as it was, Lord, for me to deliver this message tonight, that is the atmosphere and the attitude at which prayer is being assaulted tonight. The flesh doesn't want to pray. The flesh doesn't care to pray. The flesh doesn't see a need to pray. The carnal mind doesn't understand the necessity of it. The carnal man does not understand that the spiritual life and the spiritual existence that I need is found in that atmosphere of prayer. If I will pray, things will happen. If I will pray, God will move. 
If I will pray, God will answer. If I will pray and keep on praying, God will do the impossible. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, O God. Help us, Lord, to find prayer as a priority in our life again. That prayer would become a priority to us. That communion with you and talking to you would become the lifeblood of our existence. I've got to have you today, God. I can't live without that air. I can't live without that intake of that heavenly atmosphere. I can't survive without the breath of God. I need you, Lord, right now to breathe upon me and breathe into me. Oh, God, stir us, stir us tonight to pray, to pray more fervently, to pray more consistently, to pray more earnestly, to pray expectantly, to pray, oh, God, with a shamelessness. Oh, oh God, to pray with a shamelessness with a, a spiritual abandon. We're, we're bold enough to come again and again and again and again and again because the need is so prevalent and the hour is so late. Oh, God, help us to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray, to find time, to find time, to make time to make time to pray. Hallelujah. I can't live without it, Lord. I can't survive without it. I can't make it without it. I cannot go without it. I cannot make my way through life without that sustaining power of prayer. God, tonight, resurrect something in this church away from Awaken the sleeping giant. Awaken, Lord, the spirit of hunger in us to talk with you, to walk with you, to commune with you. Oh, Lord, to pray. Teach us, Lord, to pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah.